Hello, just a quick note before we dive into this episode. As we mentioned previously, some of these earlier episodes were recorded approximately a year ago. In this upcoming episode, we do make reference in broad strokes to medical assistance in dying. The references that we make are slightly out of date now. Regulations have changed. We will put a link in the show liner notes in case you're interested in looking at current regulations and how they apply at the moment. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Talk Me to Death. I'm your host, Amanda. I have my co-host, Andrew, here. Hello. And today we are speaking with Caleb, a dear friend of ours, who has agreed to speak to us um, specifically. Dear, dear friend. <laughs> dear, dear friend. Has agreed to speak to us. <laughs> yeah. This sounds like a, a business situation. Like a contract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we do have you in the corner in a closet right now. Hang on. This you're in studio. the Canna Comedy Studios. <laughs> But this you're is still in the corner of a closet and you couldn't easily escape. It's true. Yeah. But yeah, this is a very famous studios where several podcasts are produced. Yep. It's actually, I've been very here prestigious. Before. This is going to be like those, that fucking place in uh, UK, you know, that fucking record store where everyone did their things. Never I mind. I have no idea. It's, it's a legend. Andrew might know the reference. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. I just can't think of what it's called. Me neither. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. From record stores to suicide. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Yes, that's why Caleb's here. Yeah. Caleb's here. Live on air. The first podcasted suicide. Have we done, has anyone done something like that? I know they've done it on the internet, but not on a podcast. No. Podcast an actual suicide in progress? Man. I don't think so. That's something you could work towards. Do do a euthanasia. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like not perform one, but be in the room. Oh, yeah. the, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, theoretically, this, so, uh, I mean, maybe we could maybe do it with an animal euthanasia. Doing it with a person would be much touchier. Uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I mean, what's this podcast all about? Tell me about it. <laughs> Death, really. That's all it is. There, there's nothing more specific than that. The idea is simply that I don't think that people are willing enough, comfortable enough open enough always to talk about death. I think that in North American culture, we really tend to kind of... Because it's kind of a bummer. It is kind of a bummer, but <laughs> it's, I mean, it's inevitable. It happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens in a variety of ways at a variety what of What if Jesus times. comes back? I have no way to account <laughs> for that. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, so we, d- we just want to talk about it. We're, all sorts of different things about it. Um, you know, we're we're... You know, we've talked about animal euthanasia. We've talked a little bit about Andrews and my views about it. We're going to talk to you about suicide. I want to talk to morticians and death doulas. And what's a death doula? It's like a birth doula, but only for dying. What's it, a doula then? Um, I should it's a it's a if you non, want to have a water death. <laughs> it's a <laughs> non healthcare professional who provides emotional support and assistance. So they just they're around it all the time. Not necessarily all the time. I don't know how widely used death doulas are in Canada. I think it might be a bit more of a European thing, but slowly catching on in Canada in some circles. And they don't do anything medical, but they can help with, they're like a wedding coordinator for deaths. They can help with taking care of some of the details and take some of the stress off of the dying person and or their friends and family. Well, and I will say this, further introduce Caleb. Caleb is one of our favorite people. Mm -hmm. He's one of the 
funniest guys I know, and he's oh, a com- and he is a comedian. So for those listening, if when you think he's when just that being was a hyperbolic and and insensitive, he's he's when that was a profession. Yeah, that was a, it was a profession. It will be again back in, in the uh, olden days. In the, Maybe in we our should next talk life. about the death of comedy <laughs> and society. Comedy. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing about this podcast. You know, realistically, we could go in almost any direction we want. My my intention at the moment is to focus more on like physical dying and mm-hmm. death rituals and and practices and beliefs and things like that. But you could talk about death in all sorts of interesting contexts. So well, who knows where it might go in the future? I did know we were doing this podcast today, and I have one kind of funny story. Actually, two funny stories related to death. One, I just, just this is just a funny, a weird story that I don't really have a place to tell. Okay. Uh, my <laughs> when I when I was working in when I lived in St. Catharines, Ontario, my job is my day job was, uh, was delivering water. I was like a water, like you know those water cooler a water guys, man. like a Culligan guy. Water except boy. yeah, we it was called H two only. It was a little private company. Anyways, long story short, we I worked at the hospital. So I came through the delivery doors at the bottom where all the deliveries come in. So I was in the under the belly of the hospital and every once in a while they have to take a body through there, mm-hmm. part, whatever. And <laughs> so I'm waiting for the elevator and there's another guy waiting for me. And then a guy co- comes up with a body and the bodies have like kind of a fancy, almost like a rug over top of them. They're either in a bag, but if they were like upstairs, they have like a nicer blanket over them. Usually. Yeah. And then so some lady... <laughs> So it's me and this guy with the body, and then some lady all chipper comes up with a clipboard and says, oh, look at your fancy blanket, and like grabs the toe of this corpse. And then me and the guy just make eye contact, because she doesn't realize, and then she realized that it's a dead body, and she was so embarrassed, she just walked away. (laughs) Me and this guy (laughs) laughed and got on the elevator. (laughs) That is funny. Yeah, it was... uh, But I mean, that's exactly the thing, right? Like, death makes people uncomfortable, and I get it, it's not easy but that was an honest mistake you know yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, I, anyway true look okay. at your fancy blanket <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure which is which is why we do want comedians uh are, are important to have on the show too because it is sort of like you can yeah it's kind of like it's a, I, I watched uh in preparation for this episode sam harris talk about death today just to make oh. me feel a little bit better about it okay because i mean it's kind of a bummer mm-hmm. can be yep my friend, or well, not really my my girlfriend's cousin, just passed like two weeks ago from suicide. So it's like pretty intense, like personal subject, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know really how to, how do we even start talking about such a subject like this. I mean, there's there's a few different ways you could go. We could talk facts and figures and and things like that. I mean, what do you um, got on your notes there? Oh, I've oh me me and my notes, my printouts. So I've got some Canadian statistics. Um, so in Canada, approximately 10 people die every single day by suicide, roughly 4,000 deaths a year. That's from what year? Every year. Every it's, it's So, been, But like, is, is it up this year? Um, We're recording in 2021 at the tail end of last 2020's pandemic. <laughs> That's right. I don't have hard facts or hard figures, I should say, for um, for 2020. But my understanding is that, yes, suicide rates have gone up with the with the various lockdowns and measures from covid but as a general rule you know just overall 10 people a day in canada so about 4000 people a year is that how's that compared to around the world rates really vary around the world but worldwide 800,000 people a year die of suicide i would have thought it would be more i don't know why it seems that's, like so apparently that's one person every 40 seconds wow huh but there's quite a few people out there Yes, there are there are you know 
several billion people out there. I think overall it ends up being 10% of, now I might get the numbers Maybe. wrong here, 10% of deaths are from suicide. It's the ninth highest cause overall of death in Canada, but it's far higher fatality with men than with women. And because we know how to get a job more done. More middle-aged, like <laughs> per capita, more middle-aged men complete suicide than any other age group. But it, but that doesn't hold true worldwide. Mm -hmm. um, in low lower income countries, young people and old women tend to be more successful and more frequent. Whereas in high income countries, it's middle-aged men. I guess a different way to ask the, my same question is: Is Canada like on the good or the bad? We fall side. kind of somewhere in the middle. So it's we're not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, we're not we're not too we're not great. Greece apparently only has a 0.4% suicide rate, but uh I, but and we're definitely higher than that. Is Japan so, is Japan up there cuz I know suicide is like actually culturally there kind of like you know, it's sort of like an Irish goodbye. <laughs> They're like <laughs> I'm not trying to use no, different know. countries to prove a point, but I'm just saying like they yeah, a slam dunk of a home run. Yeah. <laughs> There, well, no, I mean, do you know what I, I, yeah, I, no, I'm I not know. wrong about that, I don't think. There's I, I, like a suicide forest, isn't there? I'm yep, absolutely. Talking. Yep, absolutely. And then people are sort of like, where's Jim? Oh, he's in the, I mean, assuming there's a Japanese guy named Jim, but. Asian but Jim from Asian the office. Jim. <laughs> yeah, the, so it's one of those things where, oh, he went to the suicide forest. Like, there's sort of honor in doing it because you're not well, burdening people or whatever. I have kind of that. You can't, the problem is with suicide. Like, hey, I actually think it's a reasonable proposition. I think, I mean, Doug Stanhope said it best, but like, if, you know, life's like a movie and if it sucked most of the way through, it's probably not going to get better right at the end and no one blames you for leaving early. Like, mm -hmm. and I get, okay, it's all, like, it's horrible. The, the problem is you leave a sadness bomb behind you. So mm -hmm. everybody around you is affected. But the, I don't, like, for a long time, for most of human history, it was not really that big of a deal. Like many cultures did it. It was just like what you did. It like, well, I tried my hardest. It didn't go my way. I'm taking the I'm, it's over for me. Like if you lost a battle or anything like that, like, well, that I don't know. Oh, I, yeah. I, have, I think you're absolutely cor correct. I think that the the view of death and various ways of dying has changed Especially dramatically over time and, and across different cultures. Um, which I mean will be one of the things that we'll explore. But you know. it's it we're so like death averse. Like if your life is horrible, like obviously chronic illness or chronic pain or those kinds of things. That's we've already kind of accepted that in Canada, right? We have the right to die here. I'm yes, pretty medical sure. assistance in dying. But I think that also if your life is in complete shambles everywhere else, it's not an unreasonable path to take. Honestly, I would have to say that my, you know, from a strictly personal opinion, I, I would agree with you. I, I think that that sometimes we work too hard to force people to remain alive who no longer want to be alive. Um, I think that the controversy around that comes from the concern that suicide is perceived as being an emotional we response to possibly you know personal predisposition you know based on genetics or or personal makeup or whatever or uh, exigent circumstances but not is not culturally deemed to be a rational choice and so people get really concerned that if somebody's not rational and they might have changed their mind later then should we let them do it well okay so personally speaking i had a suicide 
plan for a long time. And it was always, you know, I'll just do whatever I want. And when my life is unlivable, I'll kill myself, which is a really dumb plan. But that was my plan for a long time. <laughs> and then as you get closer to the actual, com- like the fruition of the plan, it starts to, there's a lot more considerations you take. And then uh, I'm kind of all over the map here because I've never really talked about this stuff out loud yeah. before. But to your point of like a lot, a lot people regret it or they don't, they're not in the right mind. So I was probably, I, I hit my like lowest point. I was like, I almost committed suicide when I was like 30. So like three years ago. Mm-hmm. And definitely I feel way better now than I did then. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and then a thing that, <clears throat> so when I was like really low and hanging out on suicide chat rooms and stuff online all the time, like, you know, the Reddit threads or yep. 4chan threads or whatever the fuck. And um, we can swear on this, obviously. But I watched that movie, The Bridge. Have you seen that movie? No. It's about people that jump off the bridge in San Francisco. Oh, Oh, yeah, I heard about that. They set up cameras there and they talk to people. And anyways, they interview a survivor. And I'll never forget. I I think I can quote it verbatim. But he said, so he's walking up across the bridge and he's looking down and he's thinking about all his problems. And he like finally like jumps off. And he says, the moment I let go of that ledge, I realized that all my problems were solvable, except this one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that's, a, that's, you know, that's a profound realization to have, like, oh, fuck. Like, none of that shit really matters except the one I just did just now. And then that guy ended up surviving, and he yeah. was able to tell it. It's, and most, that was another thing when I, that kept me alive, honestly, is reading those suicide survivor stories or the families of people like they're like most of the people who survived felt really good and then the people who didn't just did it again so there's always you could always do that i mean i think that's i think it's a really interesting consideration because the 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 difficulty with suicide is that if someone makes a serious attempt to kill themselves and is not successful they may have had that brush de- with death experience that puts other things in perspective and, and they have a positive outcome. And that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a great thing to hear. But the people who did complete, we don't know if they had that moment as they were approaching the actual finality of, of their act, you know, once they'd reached an irre- uh, irreversible point. We have no way of knowing. So we probably are presuming, based on the people who did survive, that maybe they did. And and feeding posthumous stories into into their uh... well, you always have the survivor bias. Absolutely, because everybody that wanted to commit suicide and committed suicide doesn't here to say, you, also... you know what, I really did the right thing, and I'm fucking <laughs> glad well, I did. But that's the other thing too. You also yeah. have the survival bias, the idea that this too shall pass, and you know maybe in three years you'll feel better, and you won't want to kill yourself. But if it was three years later and things weren't better. Would we even be talking to you? Right? Would we know that things hadn't gotten better, or would you just have killed yourself in the meantime? Or like, I, and I'm not saying that it's right one way or the other that people should or shouldn't. I don't think anybody should like do it just because. I think it should be a really considered decision if you're going to go there. <laughs> but don't do it just. There's yeah. so much. I'll try there, it out. There are so many assumptions that we make based on really, really limited heavily filtered potentially faulty information i'm just strictly speaking from a scientific standpoint here i'm not saying that that it's not good that people survive their suicide attempts or change their minds but but the actual data that we have is really incomplete and it will never be complete we have no way of completing the data set so our our moral 
ethical, sociocultural judgments around suicide are not necessarily based on good information. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and actually, I, sorry, I was going to ask you, Caleb, Caleb, is, I can't remember, too, because Caleb has a, a podcast, uh, which is really good, called The Bible Beaters. So he actually is semi, semi-biblical scholar, I'll say. Or sure, just I, know, I, know, I know the Bible isn't, pretty good. Yeah, isn't, isn't uh, well, and even just from a Christianity point of view, isn't suicide considered to be like an unforgivable sin? Many people, okay, so in Catholicism, yes. Yes. I and in that. Christians, for the most part, I think yes. It's not condemned in the Bible once. It, right. Arguably, Jesus commits suicide That's right. by going to die on the cross. Mm-hmm. There's many people in the Bible that commit suicide. The Catholic Church classifies it as like self-murder. Or yes, thou shalt yeah, not yeah. kill, so you don't kill yourself. Because many years ago, peasants found it a pretty easy loophole from a drudgery, life of drudgery to like, why don't yeah. I skip this bullshit and go to heaven? Yeah. So they had to <laughs> institute the no suicide clause <laughs> so people would fucking pick potatoes all day. Yeah, makes sense. So, but yes, it's typically condi- there's I people say you can't go to heaven. That's theologically kind of a hot topic. Many people right. will tell you different things. I think. I'm not sure on this, but I think the official Catholic Church line is if you're a you're a heretic or an apostate if you do it. So right, right. you're out, you're out, which is doesn't seem very fair to me. Yeah, no, I know. It's cuz especially if it's cuz what I was going to say too is it's interesting some of the people that are, you know, it's often uh unfortunately people are do have someone in their life that has committed suicide. But most of it is usually through pop culture, right? And it's celebrities that we know, like, you know, um, I know Kurt Cobain or Robin Williams, like some big names like that. Yeah. But then when you get to the, you know, when you actually do the root of it, is a, a lot of times those people were suffering. I can't remember what Robin Williams ended he up. He had having. a chronic brain. He had Lewy body dementia. That's what it was. Yeah. And, and yeah, so, I don't. He was apparently paranoid. I I feel bad for him. Yeah. But um, kind of tying those two together, the th- the what you were saying about can't remember exactly how you said it but you were talking about the taboos of suicide someone mm-hmm. and you were talking about it from like the i don't know from the medical or scientific a little standpoint. bit yeah but from a, i guess i hate i, I don't maybe i f- we should start from the beginning and just kind of say where i'm yeah. coming from because i don't Absolutely. think it, nobody here knows who i am i'm just okay so my name's caleb i'm from Kelowna. <laughs> this feels like an alcoholic <laughs> anonymous thing but just to give an idea of who I am and what we're talking about. I was born in Kelowna. Both my parents are very religious. They were, in fact, both pastors. I was raised in church, homeschooled, then went to Christian school, kind of like lost my faith, so to speak. Became kind of depressed around that time. Definitely correlated. I just kind of thought like, so nothing matters and life is all bullshit. And I'll just, my plan, my loose plan was to become a comedian and if that didn't work, I'd just kill myself. But I never really told anybody that plan. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of drugs and alcohol for the last like 10 years, 15 years. And I got very depressed like five years ago, four years ago. And I cut like, I guess I almost I, I didn't I don't know if this really counts <laughs> as a suicide attempt, but I would uh put my belt in like the j- jam of the door and like kind of like lean on it until I was like almost about to pass out and kind of think like this could be it if I really just leaned on this a little longer and then I just stand up or and, and my other one brush with it was I always talked about like I was kind of a 
loudmouth fucking idiot. And I was always saying, like, nothing matters and it's all bullshit. And somebody one time said, you don't really think that. And I said, yes, I do. And then he went and got a gun out and said, this is a loaded gun. And I put it in my mouth and pulled the trigger. But it wasn't a loaded gun, obviously. So those are, like, my two, like, brushes with that. Mm-hmm. And then, I, I don't know. Like, I guess my everyone just fucking helped me for so long. Even when I was very self-destructive, my parents especially, I told them about it because everything I read online said tell somebody. And I would, so I would just like, I would, at my lowest, I would just like hang out on like Reddit threads, drink all day and like play chess and fucking just like think about it all the time. I had like plans to do it, but I never really got like, I felt like if I was good to do it, I would have done it. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, I like, it got so bad. Like I called the the helpline a couple times. Police came to my house once for a welfare check. So the, I guess that's all my experience with the subject matter. I just felt like I should just blurt it all out. It's weird. I appreciate that actually. Yeah. Kind of a weird. I pre- I was prepared to talk about it. I, so I said all that to say that I think it's good to talk about this stuff because there's almost no one to talk about it with. Mm-hmm. And once you say. Like I told my parents and they were very understanding and they'd done everything to, they basically kept me alive. But besides that, if you tell other people, I mean, I joke about it. And I mean, maybe I told my best friends when I was like really drunk, like "Ah, I've thought about it intensely. And they're all like, yeah, me too. That's another thing. Like all my friends kind of are in the same boat. So, but because it's so taboo, you can't talk Mm -hmm. about it with anybody. And then, so you just have this horrible secret that you can't tell anybody and that you feel bad about. And then it kind of like reinforces this, like, I'm a piece of shit narrative. Mm -hmm. At least it did for me anyways. And then, but so once I told my parents, I, they were like instantly took it seriously and, you know, and then I kind of, I felt like a dipshit for a long time that I was just like making everybody worried about me, which is a terrible feeling too, but it's better than the alternative of them wondering where you are or where mm-hmm. you went or those kinds of things. But so you, f- I felt like a loser for a while, but eventually now, like looking back, I'm still like, I was kind of de- pretty depressed, like even six months ago and who knows what will happen in six months. But right now I feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was like three months ago. I was like, the world's going to end in civil war. Now it's like, we're closer to civil war. And I'm like, it's actually not so bad right out the window where <laughs> yeah. I live. True. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. far enough from the border. Yeah. <laughs> For but yeah, I don't know. I kind of just blurted all that out. Somebody else say something. No, that's. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. And thank and really thank you because mm-hmm. when when I approached you about being on the podcast and and you offered this as a subject area and you know offered offered your story for this, I was. I mean, excited sounds like a really morbid thing to say, but I was yeah. really I was really excited because you are you know you're intelligent and you're eloquent and you have a an interesting breadth of knowledge with your personal background. And I, I I just had this idea that you would be a really, a really interesting human, like a true human story, but somebody who would also be able to, to speak about things in a, in a really coherent way. Well, cause I've thought, I've thought about it intensely. Yeah. I mean, you're a thinker. I mean, anybody who's met you for 30 seconds knows you're a thinker. Well, so without sounding arrogant or douchey, but this is, truth so when i was like growing up in church and me and my two best friends were like 16 17 we would have hot tubs and talk about the universe as we saw it 
we all kind of thought church was like, none, that's not true. And so the adults in our lives are clearly deluded. So they don't know any. So what is we've, you know, the purpose in life? We kind of all came to the conclusion collectively that it was essentially purposeless, but you find your own purpose. And they, Victor wanted to just have a wife and kids and be like a farm. He's like, that's it, man. You just kind of live on a farm. And my other friend, Sam, wanted to like travel around. And I never really had a fucking plan or idea because I, I wanted to be a comedian, but it seemed so far away. And even after now 10 years of doing it, it seems just as far away. Like the comedians I look up to, that I'm like, that guy is one of the greater comedians I've ever seen. They can barely get work. Yeah. So it's like, what the fuck? So, but I don't I don't, I just start rambling. No, that's great. And I actually think what you're saying is, and, and to, to what I sort of hear you saying is that in a way, trying to do something and then if you don't do it, suicide was your plan mm-hmm. and that so, was the plan so because you're like i don't i don't want wife and kids i don't want six like you know but you but that yeah i don't want to buy a house and fill it with yeah. shit and but the, it was the plan and as you get here's the thing it's kind of still the plan <laughs> i understand i really feel like that though if things get unturned like if things get so bad that they can't turn around i don't see it as a horrible thing the thing is you the, yeah, I I can't get away from, and I will never, I could never do it while my family's alive, right? Because you 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 leave a sadness bomb. It's I've seen it, and around like I've not had anyone close to me, but I've had friends. Of, That's why murder suicide so popular. Yeah, so which is horrible. I know you can't do that. No, I know. I was <laughs> it's being a silly joke. Yeah, but it's not funny. <laughs> I mean, it's but, it's funny when you're suicidal. I guess yeah. Because you're, <laughs> but um. Yeah, man, it's like. See, I was gonna say I appreciate just because you know it's, it's one thing that is lacking in the world is like just inherent truth of things. So your truth, whatever you you know, like there's no obviously from Amanda and I, there's no judgment yeah. from that, and it it's appreciated because a lot of times people don't you know um, they don't talk about it, and people I I, I also think too like I or had, they tailor the telling to the audience. Yeah, t- exactly. And the other thing is, too, is I think when I, I have been around people. I myself haven't ever really been. I've been in dark places, but I don't think I've ever really been suicidal. But I also know that sometimes, like even talking to some, it, it, you almost get, and maybe you've felt this too, Kayla, but there's sometimes talking to people, they're like, uh, you can't do that. That's going to affect me too much. Sometimes. You know I mean? Do you know what I mean? So then that sort of like takes the way, like makes you not want to talk about it because it's sort of like, there's yeah, there's a lot of good reasons not to talk about it. Yeah. Almost no one treats you the same afterwards. Yeah, that's I can see that. Unless, yeah, I mean I don't know. Unless it's some people do and some people don't, but oh, my, we're not going to. Uh, well, now, my, all but, my friends are my friends for because they're beauties. Like I have kind of three friend group. Well, at least I had. I now pretty much have just one. But growing up, I had like my rugby friends, and then I had like kind of like my high school friends, and then I had like my, my comedy friends. Mm-hmm. And all three of those groups had depressed people in it. And they all kind of, we all could say whatever we want in front of anybody. But still, like, we would joke about it, but nobody would ever talked about it. Like, I never said, like, you know. I'm, I played with a gun the other day. i thinking about doing it, like, next week. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. It, well, that's the thing. A lot of times you hear this. It's like, the, I mean, I, I, for me, the experience I've had with suicide is that my stepdad, tried to kill himself three times in front of my brother and i jesus and 
You told me that once. I before, think I did. Actually. Yeah, on a road trip, we yeah. talked about it. So, but then I was sort of like, I, so you get to a point where you don't really take it seriously. How old were you again? I was fourteen or thirteen or fourteen. Holy shit! Like, but the, well, that's the thing. They weren't really like they were like more like destructive. Like, like for instance, one of the times was like uh, trying to be an overdose of pills, but it was just like taking the medicine cabinet and dumping it into a, a blender with a milkshake is what he did. But he left like, it, it was like, it'd be it was theater. As, yeah, exactly. It'd be as if you, you like walked into like a, a picnic scene and there's very obviously been a bear <laughs> at your yeah. campsite, you know, that's what it looked like on the counter. There's pills everywhere. And it was like, cause it's so, um, if you wanted to do it, I, I know that when I was young, I, I realized right away because I was sort of like, this is, this seems like a weird thing to do. He was mentally ill, obviously. And then another time came home and he was going to, he was trying to hang himself off of the roof, but he had like, like the smallest he yellow. He waited for you to come home too? Yeah. Oh, he was waiting for my brother and I to come home. Well, like he knew that we'd see him, right? So that's what I mean. Like he could have. That is so weird for a parent to do to their children. Well, it was, he was our stepdad and he was sort of literally in the family for like not long. Yeah. So, but it was like one of those things where it was again another theater thing because it was like really thin, like the smallest nylon rope that you buy for camping for tying up horribly wrong to exactly right style. And also, it was just like he was going to jump off of like six inches of something, and it was like it was even being young. Like I'll do it. Right. Yeah. It was weird. And then the other time was like a like a fucked up the car to like a hose, and I tried to put the exhaust in his car, which actually would have worked. He had an old car. And but he had most of the windows down, so it was sort of like, you know, it would have taken the whole night to fill up the garage. Yeah, it would have been. It would have. It was like maybe this will work. So I, I'm. I know I sound like I'm casting light on it, but I've kind of like sort of dealt with this stuff. But it, uh, what I'm saying is, is those three attempts were like he knew what would get attention, but it's like if you actually wanted to and do it. And how long of a time did that happen? Like in six months? In yeah, it was year? probably a period of about four to six months, I think. With that the is four. insane. I watched the the time where he did the drug milkshake. We had called the police, or called the ambulance, and the police and the police showed up. And I wa- like I watched him fight a cop in my room. That was oh, oh my intense. God. It was crazy. He'll it was never like, take me down. He was like a like a uh, like a buff dude too. And then that was before tasers, so it was like like some pretty good moves by the cop, but like night dick and man. Did you guys crazy. hear about so. that guy that tased himself in the balls and died? No. no. Oh my God. That's was that suicide? No. <laughs> it was one of the guys storming Capitol Hill, tasting oh, himself no. in the oh, balls. Like, oh, died. really? Oh. Yeah. Oh, like one laugh- of the. You can laugh at that. It's fucking hilarious. One of the Trump guys? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that is, that is pretty funny. I mean, so what a weird freak accident. I mean, technically, the electricity could always go anywhere and cause yeah. problems, but what are the chances? He was apparently trying to grab something, like carry something, and it went off and hit him in the nuts. Oh. <laughs> That's crazy. Jeez. And then. This, I mean, this one's less funny because it's not really her fault, but the girl that was trampled had a flag that said, don't tread on me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, love, I mean, come on. That's the Delaware flag. I know. <laughs> don't tread on me. That's brutal. Well, trampled that's to death. brutal. Brutal. So, yeah, anyway, what I was going to say is that a lot of times what, what we were, what I was, my big point was, is that people often when they're like, someone kills themselves, people are like, I had no idea. And it's yeah. because they don't talk and it's it's because the people that are perpetually like going like, you know, we, you know, I, I've had people in my life and I'm sure we all have that are like, 
if you don't come over, I'm going to kill myself, or if I should just kill my... And they say it in front of people, and it's just like, I, I understand that there's probably something going on in Dark, but those pro- those people usually aren't going to kill themselves. Yeah. It's, you know a, what I mean? it's a really horrible thing to say to somebody. And then... Which, the, that's the thing. You can't say it. You have to take always take it seriously, right? Yeah. I think it's a weird one, though, because I think you're right. I think that there is, you know, what I would call like a behavioral element for some people where it it's less about actually wanting to die, although maybe that's an option for them. And more about I just need somebody to acknowledge that I'm important, even if it's just for a second. Right. And so I'm going to I'm going to do something whether it be saying that you're going to kill yourself or or doing you know something that's clearly not going to be lethal. Although you do get those cases where they maybe were trying to just get attention, but then and they weren't lethal, but they were devastating. They caused yes. themselves some sort of lifelong morbidity, which that but, was. But but it's a hard one because I mean you know even those people who are like if you know I'm going to kill myself if you don't do what I want. It, it's a terrible thing to do to the person they're saying it to. It's a feels a bit like crying wolf on their part, but. On the flip side, is that maybe the one thing that just keeps them going? The fact that somebody pays attention for 35 seconds, as annoying as it might be or as un- insincere as it might seem, mm-hmm. but that got them through to the next step. Yeah. You know, I mean. It, That's what I mean. It's not necessarily like, like it, they're ultimately what they say, it's like a cry for help, right? And it's like, because, and I was going to say too, Caleb, is that you, if you ever do have those thoughts again, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of half joking, but yeah. you should. Definitely consult a medical professional because even the gun in the mouth, like, I mean, I didn't realize this, but there's like hundreds of people that shoot themselves and they survive. Well, I was. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be the worst. That's what I'm saying. Maiming yourself is the worst. You have to know exactly where to aim. Yeah. 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 Fucked up. Yeah. I can't remember what I was going to say. I'm sorry. I I have a couple of questions. Yeah. Yeah. So just I'm curious. You know, you did mention that alcohol and substance use was was a big part of your life for a while there. Still is. Fair enough. Less substances, though. Do you feel, do you feel or how much do you feel that impacted you wanting to die? Probably quite. I mean, yeah, definitely quite a bit. I mean, that's that's a real chicken egg question. Mm -hmm. Is Absolutely. But I definitely was depressed. I've also had a number of concussions, which I've been told matters mm-hmm. i feel like as the person experiencing the depression that it's an existential funk like i've thought myself into this kind of cage or whatever right i really don't feel like it's brain damage but it could be brain damage so and it could be substance abuse but i definitely it's definitely a storm of the three and you definitely feel worse when i I I drink. That's mostly what I do. I did cocaine for a long time. I I guess I you could say I, I haven't done it in like a month, so that's not that long. Uh, two good though. like two months, but only like four times this year maybe, mm-hmm. which is I used to do it every weekend, mm-hmm. sometimes like almost every day for a little bit, which is terrible. But you definitely feel worse when you're using drugs, and it's the sad part is though I've had taken several runs of sobriety lasting anywhere between a couple weeks to the longest six months and even at like five months of sobriety i felt much better but i still was depressed and but i i think at the heart of my i've been thinking a lot about what's made me depressed and i'm kind of coming out of being depressed and it's just cheesy as all the things say as being like trying to be nicer to yourself like i 
if I think I have I have really negative self talk mm-hmm. like all the time, like every time I get a text or a phone call, the first thing I'm like, oh fuck, like someone's pissed. That's just like the I don't. That's a terrible first thought to have, but that's because I drink so much that <laughs> I say things. You're waiting for the rec- <laughs> what, 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 what happened last like night. That. Yeah, so like I will I won't answer my phone for days, which is a terrible mechanism. And then I know that I've missed like ten phone calls, mostly right. from my parents. And I know that I just made them anxious and I feel worse about myself. But um, as far as the substances, so in my time off, you feel better, you feel clear-headed, you f- don't feel like, I don't know, the impending, the right-away doom. The mm-hmm. doom is further away, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, it totally does. But it's still there. Yep. But so, so to combat the doom, like I said, I've been trying to like be nicer, like, when I think bad thoughts about myself, I acknowledge the thought and then I go, is that true? Do I really want to think that? Is this person mad at me for no reason? And so that's one thing that's kind of helped. And I've also been trying to like not, I, I big picture everything. I just zoom out till the point where I, nothing matters. We all die and pointless. Mm-hmm. But like right now, it's not so bad. It really isn't so bad. And mm-hmm. I try to just like, you know, ground yourself in the moment and if you would have told me this four years ago i would have been like that's why i'm gonna kill myself because all of those sound empty as fuck right right and the weird thing is i still see like i have like kind of two minds i'll i won't do it i've got to the point where like i said like i was really close to doing it and i've kind of looked it in the face and i didn't do it and i'm like so now i'm kind of like well i have to live the rest of my life i wish i didn't wish i didn't waste my 20s but I I'm here now and now I got to start because you have to kind of make I had to make that decision because like I kept saying like I'll just do it when it gets pretty bad and then I was like turning 30 and I had nothing going for me I just lost my job because I driving a truck like I said and I got a DUI and I had moved all the way back across Canada and moved into my parents like one bedroom house and I was just feeling like the biggest loser ever and I, but so I like I looked it in the face didn't do it and now so then once I decided that I wasn't going to do it, at least right away, I still have this thing like if the apocalypse happens, if I, if I ever have to like if there's someone coming for my food and I have to shoot them or they're going to shoot me, I'll shoot my fucking self. I don't want to. That's live. what I always <laughs> tell him. Yeah, Amanda's told me. I don't want to live in the, through the apocalypse. I don't have what it takes. Right. But <laughs> I see for me, I've uh, I've always 100%. just been like I I love camping and survival. <laughs> so I'm so like I'll eat, I, 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 no, I'll just be camping. That's true. It's honestly because when I first met Amanda, read the we road were like and say, tell me it's like camping. What's that? Read the road by Cormac McCarthy. Oh, I, I know. Part- but, well, that's what I'm. But okay, yeah, let's say there's some nuclear fallout. I yeah. mean, I you, you can't camp with radiation in your water. I mean, <laughs> no. let's not. <laughs> I mean, and the cans of beer will be all gone. So no, I understand that, but that's where my th- I just like the idea of like, but it, honestly, I'm also if there was like, yeah, I, if it's too hard, I get it. I just you know, but so, it's not that hard. That's what I decide. Like I yeah. knew that I have an easy life. My like everybody like I know all these things. No, but like, I'm saying apocalypse. Like me. The apocalypse. Is my hard. parents basically will pay for anything if I need it. Like I have had every advantage, and I was just feeling sorry for myself, and it's kind of like. So, like, if you're not going to do it, that's like make that des- make that decision and then move in a different direction. And since then, I've been much better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's I guess my point there. I- I've known Caleb. I've known you for about five years, and I would say that 
I've seen sort of this arc of you because I uh, from no honestly I like quit comedy and all this shit. Yeah, but I mean also, but Caleb is also one of the people that inspired me because I know that uh, Caleb the the thing I love about Caleb. You were when I quit comedy and threw I, my phone off the deck and yep. all that. That was like right at the time when I was my most depressed. Well, and also that was like around the time that I started was about the time where they were certain things were happening where people were trying to make you choose where to go for yeah. comedy and all sorts of crazy stuff going on. But what I was going to say is I, I've i seen your sort of like arc through this and not necessarily knowing exactly what's going on because we've only been close friends for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. But what I see in you is that like more of what I hear you saying is like you're almost like more being the witness of like I'm depressed or this is depression instead of being stuck in the funk. Mm-hmm. You can kind of recognize what it is. And, and and see because and that's like being mindful right feel like your... i can help others better than i can help myself almost mm-hmm. you know yeah that's, I think that's, that's a lot true of people for most people yeah. yeah so two two thoughts come to me out of out of what you just said so do you am i hearing correctly if uh, when i when i think that you're saying and because it's it's something that sort of resonates with me the idea that you could check out at any time is allows you to keep going it's kind of yeah like i'm not stuck here if i don't have to be but i've also i'm not going to u- use that choice mm-hmm. but it's a weird comfort yeah no i i i i, I that sounds like something that would feel very true to me yeah that's like flying a fighter jet right something like yeah the side you have I a pill. parachute you'd be better with the parachute yeah you don't want to use the parachute yes but if you had to you it's could. there and It'd be scary as shit, though. And it's not that bad. I had, That's the thing I say to myself all the time whenever I start to go, uh, because I, I, for some reason, I just think, like, oh, everything is going to, society's going to collapse. Of course it will. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, but I look around, I'm like, fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> was there Was there something, did you come across something specific, or was it just a cumulative input over time that sort of helped you shift how you were looking at, there's getting through the moment an overtime thing but there's been a couple like i'm gonna butcher it but I, I can't remember who it's by or even the words but there's this great poem that really impacted me basically it's like it i, I can't remember who it's by or any of the words but it's, it's it says something like if you if you do good people will take advantage of you like do good anyways if you're kind people it's basically the like life suck but suck it up and do good anyways and that that one got me that was like one thing that I kind of like used to help myself. But for the most part, it's been a long, slow listening to comedians podcasts and getting secondhand therapy from like Bill Burr and Mark <laughs> Marin. Right. Because uh, they talk about stuff like some of those things that I said about self negative self-talk. I yep. got right from Bill Burr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he got it from therapy. But mo- yeah, I'd say it was a long thing. A long. Yeah. Yeah. First, that you hold it to yourself. Like I held it to myself till for a long time, and then I finally told my parents because everybody says tell somebody, and I, they seem like the most reasonable people to tell. And they took it pretty seriously, and they've been concerned for me ever since, and basically dragged me through the last five years of my life. And I respect them and, and love them very much for that. And I don't think they even know that, so maybe I'll tell them to listen to this episode. <laughs> but we fight all the time because. They like they're still pastors, and I don't believe any of that crap. I in fact do a podcast about how dumb that is. <laughs> but it's weird. It's weird that we can. I know that they, deep down, I know that they love me more than they love God, <laughs> which is terrible. 
They would I probably mean, deny that. As a child of somebody, I would think that would be a good thing to know. Well, because especially I given how the... deeply your parents are into blasphemy you know, is the unforgivable sin, excommunication, and all that crap. They haven't done it yet, so. You described yeah, at one point you, you talked about having every privilege. So do you think that having a, a quote unquote life of privilege a relative made it harder? No, I definitely don't. I definitely think. But do you I, think I, it, I, do you think it made so I did feel guilty what about, about your it. That's what I mean. So I, do you think that it made yeah. Yeah, yeah, do you think that it made being depressed and suicidal more difficult? Oh, I'm and I'm asking only because I've heard other people say that they feel bad about feeling bad because yes, their life I is good and they shouldn't. I definitely did that, but I won't sit here and say that my depression is worse than someone I can't ju- I can't reasonably justify I can't even like look in the mirror and say that I w- my life was so hard and it was extra hard because I felt like it shouldn't be this hard. Like you, that sounds but, like no, fucked up. But no, it it does. I and that's not entirely what guilty. I mean. I know what you mean though. I, I felt guilty because why am I depressed? My life is great. There was an aspect of that, but really my life was great. And that what like, if, if my life was any worse, I feel like there was a couple times, like I got absolutely totally broke twice and my mom just paid my debt. Like if I didn't, if that didn't happen, that would have been it. Well, I'm going to be homeless now. So, but what about the idea that if your life is not as privileged if you have to focus on how do I put food on the table? How do I put a roof over my head? How do I just get through the day? It gives you a distraction. It's still, I'm sure it's still overwhelmingly difficult, but it gives you like you have to focus know. on that. It's I, like it's like the idea of being in the midst of a crisis. I try not to speak to things like that. That wasn't really my experience. So so my own experience was I, I lived a very affluent life. I did definitely there was an aspect of feeling guilty for it. But I don't think it was harder. And I, in fact, I had, you know, the opportunity to get, you know, professional help twice. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my mom paid off my debts. Like I definitely, it was definitely easier to live the life that I lived than to, I don't know, quote unquote, like be deservingly depressed. I don't know what, <laughs> what that even no, means. No, I, I know what you mean. That's, uh, yeah, no, that's interesting. So from your, we haven't actually talked about medical assistance in dying yet that'll be something that'll come up at some point later in the future i don't know quite when but i'm i'm curious right now mental distress doesn't isn't a reason to apply for maid it's it's not considered a, a valid consider- just like i get it not for me like this whole like just living to exist i don't understand that's how i felt i still feel like that sometimes like hmm. if the whole point is just perpetually surviving what is the point now I, i'm not looking to have you speak for other people's yeah. experiences but just let's, let's let's just go like straight up hypothetical here just because okay. i'm curious because you have you have such an insightful mind <laughs> stop saying that. you you really do you i, do, I tell Andrew that all the time oh jeez. yeah she's like can you tell caleb to come over <laughs> i want to I talk to someone intelligent oh stop it and i was like i don't understand what you mean <laughs> <laughs> so there's obviously a lot of debate around assistance in dying or legalized suicide based on mental distress. Can you can you imagine a set of circumstances, hoops, legal red tape, whatever, that you think people could go through that would sufficiently validate their need to die 
Yeah, but why? If you want to do it that bad, just kill yourself. Not everybody can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I mean, you can. Where there's a will, there's a way. So, yes. Sui- is suicide illegal? Yes. I mean, some places. I don't think it's not in Canada. Because, like, you can't, you can't but be the charged, case, so but you can be under the mental yeah, but health act, they detain you, right? Yeah, but you can, okay. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. On its face, it seems like a ridiculous law, but they have that so that they can use it for other, like... Right. So, if he was going to commit suicide, we could break into his house and save him, because he was going to break the law of whatever. But back to Mandy's original question. Yes, I can conceivably think of enough ref- red tape where someone could get through it, but... Is that an effect? What are we trying? Are we trying to mitigate? Are we trying to prevent unwanted or I don't know the right word for it, like tragic suicides and only let the, the people that really have thought it through to the logical conclusion? Because if they really have thought it through, I would if it was me, I wouldn't apply to the government so I could fill out some forms. Well, I think the idea is, is to eliminate transient suicidal thoughts because some people have intractable thoughts of wanting to die and other people have more other people have more short term you know yeah so circumstances are really bad right now yeah i'm 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 in a crisis right now i'd rather i'd rather be dead yeah and for some people that lasts for a much more limited amount of time and other people it's it's like an ongoing thing that they deal with over you know potentially years suicide was um decriminalized in 1972 in canada but so as an example, and this is like a, a fourth hand story, but I, I, I know of, of similar stories from a couple of, of different people. So someone who is getting older in life in their in their 80s, feels like they've done everything they wanted to do, doesn't really have any friends or family left. Yeah. That, I mean, you already sold me on the t- like, OK, so let that guy has out. attempted suicide on multiple occasions and come very close, but not been successful. For a variety of reasons. He's going to hurt himself for somebody else, it sounds like. Well, so now the problem is, is although uh, although this hypothetical individual has a medical condition that would theoretically allow them to apply for something like made and be done, now they are deemed mentally ill and they can no longer apply for Trapped such an Trapped in your body. That sounds terrible. I mean... I have to buy. If I were the emperor with the thumbs up, thumb down, I'd be very liberal with thumbs down. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the, or maybe I I should I don't understand it's dumb. I don't I don't understand. I really don't understand people's like bias to life. I don't understand. Like I don't. This guy sounds like he's lived in a completely full life. He's done everything he wanted to do. He's wanted out. Let him out. I don't. Like I said before, like throughout history, a lot, like a lot in many cultures, it's just like what you do when feel like you. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I like I I I I know I'm rambling a lot because no, I've never talked about many of these things, and I definitely have the two minds because I definitely have the like I see it as like a logical end means to an end, mm-hmm. and then at the same time, I personally I'm like I could never do it because too many people would be sad right but you see that's a culture in my opinion this and this is strictly my opinion um i, I but think then you that's know that a cultural dead, thing yeah but when you're dead do you know that you don't care when you're dead a you don't care but also it's a cultural thing right if we could if we could speak to one another about wishes mm-hmm. or when it's going to be time for us to to die to not be here anymore without exigent circumstances without the idea that okay let me die if my if i have a heart attack or let me die if I get a bad pneumonia and you have to ventilate. 
just let me die if I'm done. If we could have those conversations with our loved ones. I want to get tattooed ones. on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> All you need is a piece of paper that you give to your doctor. <laughs> if we could have those conversations with our loved ones in, uh, I'm not saying they're going to be easy conversations, but if, if it was more culturally acceptable to say those things, have those conversations, think those thoughts without being pounced on as, oh, you must be, you might be sick. You know, there might be something wrong with your brain. Then, then maybe we wouldn't leave that, that, sadness bomb behind i believe i i can't agree more and that's i guess what we're doing with this podcast but how (laughs) i'm trying to think what i would say to myself four years ago if i were listening to this podcast like uh you know next christmas just be like so (laughs) i might not be around for the next one it would be it would have how do you bring that up is what i'm saying one tiny increment at a time and i don't know that it's it, it would require a total sociocultural shift because i'm i'm sure that most there will people, be people don't know how to respond to something like that well and again you know it's it's so deeply ingrained the idea that suicide is 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 bad yeah uh, that 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 tabooness you know i I'm, I'm certain that we will have people who listen to this podcast who think that we are somehow advocating for suicide oh people should kill them just i don't think what any of us are saying at all no not at all i i just think that the idea is that you know some, 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 yeah, freedom of choice. Sometimes I think it's, it is maybe not the right thing to do for someone. Maybe there is something else that can be done or tried first. But I also think that uh, that sometimes you're right. Maybe it's the logical conclusion. The I, we were talking, we, we had a, a fantastic conversation with a friend of ours who's a vet tech, speaking specifically about animal euthanasia. But it was it was really interesting to hear what she had to say and sort of think about it in human terms a little bit the idea that um, euthanasia is a treatment option you, you go through the list of what's going on uh, whether it be behavioral or physical or whatever and what are the options to deal with it and you go down the list and one of the options is maybe euthanasia is something that needs to be considered doesn't mean it's the right choice but it is a choice and you know we, we've we've sometimes the car is totaled yeah and we, I mean, we've wrapped our heads uh, to some degree. I mean, there's still controversy, obviously. There always will be around the idea of suicide in a form when people have become, you know, uh, or, or are going to become ill to the point of incapacity and don't want to go through that. So, and I recognize that it's a slippery slope. You don't want to start making decisions for people or force people into feeling like they have to make these decisions. But the idea that, you know, maybe there are other avenues that might bring you to not wanting to go through that. People treat it like it's really far-fetched and, and something that's really unrelated. But is it really? No, it's not. I'm, 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 I don't know. Have, what do you guys, have you guys ever been suicidal ever in your life? I wouldn't say I've ever been act- actively suicidal to the point where I have, like, you know, plan and supplies prepared. I... I grew up in a household with a parent who spoke not frequently, but regularly over the years about being suicidal. And it always felt, it always felt behavioral. Yeah. It it always felt like, certainly I think there was some deep unhappiness there. And I don't think that the, that the intention was uh, to be manipulative or anything, but it, even as a child, I there were never any attempts that I know of and it didn't and the discussion didn't necessarily feel like someone who was on the verge of an attempt but it certainly did feel like somebody who was who felt overwhelmed and wanted 
someone somewhere to say, you matter, this is okay. So, so that was, was weird. Just, you know. I don't know what, what, what jumps out at me when I, when I finally like told a couple people, specifically my parents, I, I fucking, I felt immediately worse because mm-hmm. I felt like everybody was coddling me and I, that just made me like, I'm even a bigger loser now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I, I, I don't know. I don't. That's exactly what they, how else would they respond? I didn't resent them for it. I piled that on myself. Yeah. But I mean, th- I think that I think the thing is, is people who consider suicide looking to escape fame for sure. But I also think that that it was mostly I'm, I'm guessing escape. I didn't have that much pain. All my pain was really self-inflicted. It was mostly like just like I guess I guess despair or depression. Just like what the I have no. It doesn't matter. Well, I'm just gonna be paying rent for the rest of my life. What the fuck's the point? Mm-hmm. I just live to pay rent, to buy groceries, to eat it, to shit it, to like to do this forever but i also i wonder how much to the idea of like being a burden right so then you tell someone yeah and now it feels like you've created burden mm-hmm. which which i in fact know that i did you know and but you for me eventually you start start to see that in the like i have great relationships people care about me you know you all yeah you, 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 it's all really is you have to. It's in my head how I frame mm-hmm. all these things. Absolutely, and I'm doing better at that. And I'm then all once a few things kind of click, all of a sudden your my worldview shifted to like like the weird. Like I keep saying, I still have all those like weird background thoughts. Like the apocalypse is happening. Like I'm not going to reproduce things like that. But I same time like immediately it's not that bad, and it's not going to be that bad for the foreseeable five. 10 years like i have a long time before the apocalypse you know weird that i frame everything in terms of apocalypse (laughs) i don't think it's entirely unreasonable but i had a little bit of an epiphany when i was reading um this book about augustus caesar because i love i'm big into rome and julius caesar so julius caesar does the civil wars and becomes dictator for life then he's assassinated and then they go plunge right back into civil war you know, most of the Senate dies. Anyways, Augustus is looking back on his life now as an old man who survived the whole thing and basically united Rome and was maybe the greatest emperor ever. And he lived through this, like, when he was 20, he lived through this, like, unforeseeable crisis, this giant storm. It was really could have been the end of the Roman Republic. It, it could have been that bad. He was able to take the whole thing. But all that to say... That every single generation practically has figured whatever they're living through is the crisis, the end of the world, oh, totally. and it isn't. Let's think about the Industrial Revolution. And then in, I'm like, in, well, in... this is a pandemic. And I'm like, World War II was definitely yeah. way worse than this. The Spanish yeah. flu was way worse. So I just try to put everything in perspective. Totally. We're always, it's funny because actually I was thinking about yesterday for some reason, but uh, I can't remember why, something I was listening to, but you can you can relate to this too, but being growing up Christian is like every Christian in the past, like 200 years has like, is convinced Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like the disciples yeah. thought it was them. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, and, it's, and it's always been like, and then people think about like when trains came out, people thought their souls would be left behind because the things would go too fast. Was fucking so yeah, it's all about perspective and how we look at it. Right. I mean, that's a, 
Yeah, we we came to some sort Although of we are in a conclusion. We are, are in a like socially and and I'd say in a pretty like probably the worst place because of just the way things are as a society. As a society, yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot of like I don't know. And and, and that's actually one of the reasons uh, Amanda wanted to have this podcast was to sort of bring things out into the open, right? Listen, and, and a lot of you guys are going to be dying in the next couple years. Yeah. <laughs> this is What cuz we're old? No. <laughs> cuz the world is ending. Oh, all right. No, I forgot. Kidding. But I mean that's a, that's the thing like for you know you were talking about like being suicidal. I I don't I don't think I would overtly categorize myself as a suicidal person and maybe it's cuz I work in healthcare, but the idea that when I'm done, I'm done whether it be that I'm approaching dementia yeah. or the world is coming to an end or I develop an illness that you know, the treatment's going to be terrible for whatever it is. I am fully prepared that when I'm done, I'm done. I don't know how, I don't know See, what form that's going to that take like, yet, but. That was a shock to me to learn because I thought it was to- totally normal to be like, I th- I was actually like, why aren't more people suicidal? Like, right? can't you read? It's kind of logical in a weird, fucked up way. Yeah. But it, at the same time, I mean, I guess I did like ten years of thinking that came to come to the conclusion that everybody else just naturally arrived at. Like, it's really pretty great to be mm-hmm. alive. Most things are fun. People like me. I don't know. I had to go through like the horrible. I don't know. I didn't have to. I just did, and I did self-inflicted for for the most part. But I mean, it, you know, I, I, it's impossible to know who you would have been if you were someone other than who you are. But if you hadn't gone through that. Do you think you would appreciate life right now the um, way that you do or 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 see it or have the ambitions that you currently have? No, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like you said, impossible, but probably not. I do. I feel like I have some perspective. I've definitely I don't I hate the expression. No regrets. I have so many regrets, mm-hmm. but I'm at peace with most of my regrets now. And you kind of accept it. But to have no regrets, you're insane. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I definitely wasted a lot of time, I feel like. I'm still, like, trying to drink less. I drink less than I used to, but I still go on, like, benders, which is bad. Like, mm-hmm. I'll drink for, like, days at a time, mm-hmm. which is the number one behavior I need to stop because all the bad decisions follow those. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Why do you think that uh, you keep going back to the alcohol? Because it's, I don't know. I literally, like, i been, like, a week and a half right now, and I'm like, it has been for it. I deserve it. It's been, I know it's a week and a half. I'm like, I I haven't, I can't even remember the last time I drank. I don't know what it is. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Getting drunk is fun. Mm-hmm. Being drunk is not as fun. And when I drink, I just kind of like. You get very angry. Do I sometimes? You do. You get, you, you scare me sometimes. You get a little bit, you get very yelly. I get yelly. I know. I have a lot of opinions. I need you to hear them. I mean, I, I think you're almost one of those people that I would, I would edge towards you're too smart for your own good mm. you you, you think... remind me of a chihuahua when you're drinking Watermelon like someone, <laughs> because like or like you know someone that's afraid of dogs and then like a chihuahua is barking at them they're like geez ah like that's, <laughs> and i look at it and i'm like okay that's just caleb the chihuahua yeah he's making a lot of noise but also there's no bite no yeah you're never gonna do anything and it's like and and but at the same time too because I would say that the scary part, I would say for me too, is only like, I'm not afraid of you, but I, I have been afraid of you, like, hurting, a little bit of the disinhibition. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. To be like, I don't get, oh, 
cartwheel down the flight well, of stairs. I don't care. Was super reckless, like to the point of like you know, I, there's like where we live. There's uh, fentanyl and all the drugs, mm-hmm. and you know, I knowing that like whatever. I don't care if this. I'd die of this. Do you mm-hmm. at least carry an Narcan kit? No, never did. Yeah, probably not a bad idea. Yeah. I never used alone, but I like, uh, but I like knowing like people died the week before, like from the, the guy that I bought from YOLO, like mm-hmm. s- stupid shit like that. Mm-hmm. A so part of you was like, I'm, I, cause I know in you the car with drunk people. Like you can yeah. drive. I won't drink and drive. Yeah. Know? Well, and I also know you and there's like a part of you that's sort of like, like there's an attractiveness to being like, Oh, I don't care. I'll, I, I'll, I'll, I don't I'll, care. Yeah. And I love my favorite device. I love I love the idea. I don't think it's true, but I love the idea of destiny. The idea that there it was inevitable. There's so I'd like to make reckless choices in that. So maybe like I'll you know I'll just go. I'll get I'll hitchhike and get in this guy's car and see where it goes. And that's where I was supposed to end up. Chilliwack. Shit like that. So yeah. <laughs> do you feel like the recklessness is is an extension of the idea that? doesn't matter so yes. i could end it at any time yes. anyway yes definitely that was i can relate to that where the bit. recklessness came from because i was like fuck it who cares mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. which is bad i care more now and i think you know, i've heard that your brain doesn't even stop growing till you're 25 and i totally believe that to be true because i yeah. had a lot i didn't i thought that i knew a lot i know everybody says this and if you're like 20 just wait till you're 30 and you'll know what I mean. It's so fucking so annoying. But you really think that you get it and then there's and then you don't get it at yeah. all. Yeah. It's funny. I was actually. Do you know who George Hotz is? Jer- Jeremy Hotz? No, George Hotz. No. George Hotz is uh, uh, a guy that is. He's the guy that invented like that crazy thing. Like he basically invented a thousand dollar thing. You hook up to your car to make it a self-driving oh, car. Guy. Okay. And he's like, really and he, cool. he was the first guy to ever jailbreak an iPhone and. And okay. he also, anyway. So he's like some smart guy. He's a brilliant guy. He was on Lex Friedman's podcast. Okay. So I look like it Lex. up because he's, he's been on twice. Look up the first one. But the the interesting thing was he's so smart that Lex is like, You should, are you going to write a book? And he's like, I'm not going to write a book. I'm not going to. He's like, Wait, I'm only 32. I'll probably change my mind <laughs> yeah. and I'll probably write a book. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But right now I'm saying I'm never going to write a book. Yeah. But I'm also going to hedge my bets to go, I'm not done growing. I will probably end up writing a book. Dude, sometimes the books like write themselves. Like he's probably got enough notes written oh, totally. down that he can just compile into a book. Well, yeah. Well, because what happened, how it came up was he did a TED talk on like, he's, he did a thing called hacking the simulation. And he's like, I'm going to hack, this is a simulation and I'm, I'm working to hack it. And then everyone's like, oh my goodness, like what's he doing? And then, but he's like, you guys are missing the point. The point is just live your life. Yeah. That's hacking the simulation. And, and, um, and so, but it was funny that he was like, I'm so smart, I'm not going to write a book. And then he's like, I'm so smart, I'll probably write a book. And <laughs> and But I will, I'm not going like to be married to my actual opinion of it. So it's important to, to, and it's also, there's nothing wrong with going, I was an idiot to think that thing and to have my suicide plan. And, and it's not necessarily idiot, it's just like you needed a plan. Everyone wants to have sort of a linear arc. And it's like if you can, and especially you growing up in a thing where there's like so much they're like, here's all the certainty you need with zero proof yeah. <laughs> certainty. Well, that I think that. And had so a when big... you actually go, I can well, I marry lost. myself to a plan that is has certainty behind it, right? Well, yeah, that's kind of that was kind of it. Yeah, is and uh, it and it's and it was easy, like lazy and easy, right? Yeah. 
because I had my life was easy. I got a lot of I had every advantage. So I just kind of coasted through going to school, doing whatever, you know, working bullshit jobs. And then I just figured when that ran out, that would be the end. I would either be like make it on as a comedian before I found out you had to work and it was called show <laughs> business. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just thought if you were funny enough, people would just let you be on TV. Right. Yeah. That's what everyone thinks, I think. But that fuck it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing is, too, is that I was thinking because you said the easy and they always say like, oh, it's the easy way out. But I don't think you've ever walked to the middle of the San Francisco Bridge. That's far. It's, it's far. like a long walk. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was going to say the other day, speaking of we were talking earlier about like, you know, not like if you commit suicide and just not being a burden to like what you leave behind and like probably who doesn't want to be re- and who doesn't want to be a responsibility. Uh, I walked, terrible irony. I was in Vancouver the other day and I uh, walked across the Lionsgate bridge. Yeah. And when I got about halfway across, I noticed the fence got really high and I was like, why is the fence really high here? And I realized it was because of, it was underneath where the train tracks are. So it's 150 feet above the train track. But the fence was extra high because they, the t- CN doesn't want people jumping off the bridge into their train yard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like they're like, oh, people jump off the Lionsgate Bridge, but please not on my property. So it was like a weird, very specific spot. Prevention. The, yeah, because the fence thing. was the fence was that's almost out of Canadian bacon. The fence the is four feet five high. Five bucks for preventing somebody, or twenty bucks for that's right. body. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> so yeah, it was, <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was interesting that the fence was like. I was like, oh, it's four feet high all the way across, except for this one section. It's 10 feet high, and it's only where the train tracks are below, when it doesn't really matter. But anyway. Well, same thing. Kamloops has the exact same thing. There's yeah. this weird little pedestrian bridge that goes from the middle of a road, the, like the middle of an intersection, to the middle of an intersection. It only goes over um, a set of train tracks, the, the, the set of like four or whatever, that That's are some... leading into the Kamloops rail yard. It's not very high. But Some it's got lady these... about this tall and about this wide got to fucking pick a, like <laughs> some sort of pedestrian monument. <laughs> it, it was, it's, it, it's so strange. It's a weird we'll put a it's... walkway over the train tracks. Exactly. It'll cost $5 million. Well, it's because when the trains are running, sometimes they have to stop when they're shuffling them in the yard and then it blocks traffic the going to and from the hockey Cam games. The whole shuts down at high noon anyways. <laughs> Oh yeah, but yeah. it's but it's got really ha- really high plexiglass yeah. barriers and like it's like walking through this weird creepy tunnel because they don't want people jumping onto the tracks because that would mm-hmm. be a real problem for the train company. Well, I was thinking it's funny because it's like Which, not funny, you but it's just, just it's a like really good way if you could time it to jump off and it's like, well, if I if I don't die I from hitting it. the ground, no. I'll get run over by a train. Made by a train. Oh, that's the worst. I mean, that honestly, you know, if you were going to go the suicide route, that would be my biggest fear would be to attempt it not complete it and end up with something terrible mm-hmm. well you know you, you get somebody who who like tries to overdose on tylenol and they survive because tylenol um, their kidneys o- or something. yeah often what well, it's your liver oh liver you know a, a set of medicine will, will screw Livers. your liver no like i mean acutely like acute yeah. liver failure yeah so now you have a truly horrible death <laughs> facing you adorable or horrible horrible i thought you said it's acute if it's children's tylenol it's adorable <laughs> No, but seriously, right? So, <laughs> so Sorry, they, they didn't manage to kill themselves in the short term, but now over the long term, you're going to have a, a like yeah. really a terrible, terrible living situation. Can't get drunk, you anymore. know, or you jump off of a bridge and all you do is shatter your back. Yeah, you know, not all you do. Well, that sounds terrible, but you know what I mean. I there know was, exactly what you mean. Have you ever watched um, 
the comedians and cars getting coffee with Louis and CK. Not and, the one uh, with Louis. I don't recall the one exactly. With, well, it's interesting because I watched it again not too long ago, and it was and it's edited. It's been edited because on this one they start out in a car doing comedians and cars, and then they get on Louis's boat. He's got this big boat, and he's like, "This is I don't know why I have a boat. I have too much money. I just feel like if I had money, I should have a boat." So they go out on the boat, and then they're going underneath the Brooklyn Bridge, and. He's like, yeah, I was talking to the harbor master and he was telling me that people jump off this bridge all the time. And he's like, they, the people that survive, most people survive because they hit the water and they bounce back up. But some people, because they go straight down, they actually, there's like a sand bank and they like get stuck in the sand. And so like, they're actually recovering bodies. Yeah. They're recovering bodies waist deep in the mud. That would probably hurt pretty bad. Yeah. And and then you'd. Drown. You drown while you're See, stuck. I'm not so scared of being dead, but the act of dying is gonna be painful. Is gonna suck almost no matter how you do it. I don't think so. Well, I've thought. I mean, I we probably shouldn't talk about the best ways to kill yourself on this podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. No. Okay. But, but I will say, I, I'll say this: is that, but no, almost no matter how you die, you're gonna be fucking terrified. It's gonna hurt. <laughs> yeah, but we don't know that. And like, here, here's and my only explanation for that is. To be like, have you ever um, been choked all the way out before? No, but uh, okay. But let's just say this: like, I have. If you have, that panic is fucking real. When a when a when a cat is killing a mouse, yeah, and the mouse is screaming, we don't like my, mice aren't conscious to feel pain. Like it's not that they can't feel pain, but we don't know. If I that feed that's you to not, a tiger, I think it would suck ass. We don't know that the, the actual death is sweet release for the mouse. Or if it is, if because screaming doesn't necessarily mean, you know, it's like the act of getting pinned down by the claws and the first couple bites probably hurt that mouse pretty bad. I agree, but I also think that there's no way to know if you would carry those things with you. I don't know, man. Okay, the what I I've flown a whole bunch of times. I've got a fear of flying in like the last like few years. Mm-hmm. Just because I just like, you know, I've known people that are airline mechanics and they're dumbasses. And you're like, that guy can barely put his pants on the right way. And he's working on these fucking planes. So you're just looking out the window, looking of all the ways it can go. It's just, un- dude. And so that free fall of mm-hmm. however long that takes, three minutes, is going to be terrifying. <laughs> I, I, think, be- I think that's the thing, you know, with, with dying is. I'm not going to be like, you can face well, the idea that. Sweet it- release. It's coming. I'm going to be like, white knuckled, grabbing the chair. Like that's what being dead is no problem because you're dead. Yeah. No, it's it's the it's the scare, the fear and the pain beforehand for yes. sure. Yeah. Mm. But on the flip side, you know, if if you if you can truly and I don't mean just like be like, yeah, maybe it might be scary, but like really face that and you still want to go through with it. Maybe you're That's that's what I'm saying is that I think that there is I think and this is just my personal opinion and my personal journey, but I also have heard this from other people and it has to do with feel like embracing death. It's the opposite of birth. It's not life is not the ex- opposite of birth. It's as it's, it's death is. So I, I think basically it's more painful if you're clinging to being alive. And so if you can find that spot where you're sort of like, Hey, it's okay to die. Then, then you really, don't have to be afraid. And I think the thing is, is that reason people are afraid is because in our culture we have, you know, different religious things that rely on afterlife insurance and have a black and white sort of thing that people sort of take with them. So I think attachment to life 
is brings suffering and death is that's that's what i'm saying and i'm saying mice don't have the ability to be attached to be like oh man i'm not going to be able to like get that cheese tomorrow (laughs) so when they're dying it's sort of like they're in the moment of being like so it can't necessarily like i'm not saying it's not pain yeah but i'm saying that the like you know that's often where people go you know it's like when you hear people talk about near death they're like the plane was going down and I'm like, I'm never going to see my kids and I didn't delete my internet history. And I didn't, <laughs> you know, it's, it's always regret. So if you actually live in a, a place no where you're no, no regret, regret. <laughs> but I, I think it's, I think it's a weird thing about suicide specifically as, as a way of dying. Is it something that on the surface seems really black and white for a lot of people? But what I feel like the more I've considered it or or delved into it, it it gets grayer and grayer. Um, you know, uh, and like one example uh, would be you talked about speaking to people and and that being something that was important. Um, you've emphasized that a few times, and I think you're right. I think that you know, in a lot of cases, I, I won't say all, but I think that in a lot of cases, y- you may well find that the antidote to suicide is is connection you know, that comes from reaching out. That was definitely true in my case. But then you get the flip side of that. So you're like, okay, a lot seems really black and white. You need connection. People need to know. You need to hear about it. But then you get the flip side of that where you're like, okay, so somebody does commit suicide or even makes a really serious attempt and you get, you know, like real world social ripples from that. Then you get, now we have bloody social social media. Mm-hmm. You get social media ripples from that, which is not true connection and that creates more havoc and devastation and copycats and increased race risks uh, rates of self-harm and depression and, and whatnot in in that circle so now it's getting gray i definitely think that like, like in person talking is there's no replacement for it mm-hmm. and you right. never i never felt like telling strangers on the internet got me anywhere and i never felt like even even friends on Facebook messaging you, it doesn't feel, mm-hmm. you yeah. have to t- talk to somebody, I think. And over Zoom. Oh, yeah, not <laughs> over Zoom. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> but, I mean, right now, is that practical? Probably it's not. That's it's not I mean, practical that's, and suicide rates are going up. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard more uh, on different podcasts, like more like psychological and and counseling help over, like, you know, there's like different companies that are like, hey. You know, you oh, can get, yeah. yeah, you can text your psychologist yeah. and Anytime, that'll make you feel better. get back to you right away. It's not an AI it's, at all, I promise. I mean, yeah, you can get drunk and go to... I mean, you, I think the theory is great. I think that, oh, the, sure. that the intention is, is... Well, I'm sure it's monetary, but it's also like it's well-intentioned. But I think you're right. I think that, that there really is just no substitute for in-person, in-real-life human contact. And I kind of want to reiterate, I think we already said this, but like the if, if this is something that you're going to do, if you're going to talk... The people you're going to tell are going to probably be your friends or family. And, and it's a burden not, they want. They're not trained therapists, so they might react horribly. They might react really well. But, but it's also probably a burden they want, right? Yes, if, yes. If, if you feel like you're being a burden talking to people, yeah, it's probably not going to be easy for them. Life isn't easy. But I guarantee you if they care about you, they, they want at least a chance. Mm-hmm. But I just want you to be prepared that they might give you not good advice or like i don't know what i don't really know how to help somebody to that's going through it but i know that like my parents immediately wanted to go to like a church therapist and you know and i didn't want to do that at all yeah so i went to a secular therapist and i don't think that they i didn't think like talking to a stranger helped me 
at all. But help talking to my family helped me a lot. I, I think you made an interesting point, though, about, um, you know, it, it got worse before it got better. You told people you felt worse. Yeah, I did feel much which worse. Which I think is, is an under-acknowledged thing that happens when you talk about anything that's that's bad and I in knew your life they were like checking up on me people would just show up at my house and i just knew and i felt worse but that was necessary yeah yeah but and then and then it turns it turns around but i i think that's a really important point to to like emphasize and re-emphasize is it might get worse before it gets better whether it's suicide or illness or or whatever because you know i, I think we talk about okay well you reach out you connect and then you start to get well but they're real. It's real. Years. That that transition to now I feel Literally like a burden. Years. Now I feel vulnerable. Yeah. Now people know my secret. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. You have to work through that. And it's going to be hard before it before it does start to turn that corner. So, you know, give it it's give it time. Yeah. Yeah. Stick in there. I do have one final question, if I may, but a bit of a wrap up question and a bit of a for this particular conversation, a bit of a flip side. Not necessarily as related to suicide, just related to life in general. Okay. If you had to describe or define a good death, what does that mean to you? Oh, man. I mean, at heart, I'm a fucking, like, you know, young man that wanted to be, you know, a hero. Like, I think every young... young, So a good death would be a heroic death if you could save somebody or give your life to, you know, even so far as being, like, experimentally vaccinated mm-hmm. if your mm-hmm. death mattered so that's but that's kind of cheesy that's gonna happen to you soon that's kind of cheesy it's like a like a practically good death i mean i think it's i don't think how you die matters as much as how you lived as cheesy as that is but like your your death act is i mean most people's de- don't have like a good death as in they didn't die hero- most people get hit by a car or die of cancer i think that's like covers like what six sixty seventy <laughs> a good of chunk of things yeah so, but if you can, oh, we got stats. Uh, yeah, cancer, heart disease, stroke, respiratory hmm. disease. So yeah, like are those are those good deaths? Not necessarily. I mean, if you, the good death is like the heroic death where you fucking take a bullet for somebody. Mm-hmm. But that's not really practical for anything. I think way more important is the good life. Mm-hmm. And what is a good life now? That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah but it, <laughs> no my podcast is um don't do i mean it just seems like a good life it's on the surface that i'm talking about christianity yeah i, I kind of talk myself in a circle here it's more about how you live than how you die i think plug your podcast and then we'll get out of here bible beater podcast find us anywhere you listen to podcasts we're on youtube pretty quick uh, i know we have some episodes up there so you can see what we look like and uh, we read a new episode or new chapter of the Bible every week. I know it pretty good. As I said, I was raised in church. Kyle doesn't know anything, so he asks all the right questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I, I I love their podcast. It's uh, it's really funny. So thank you, thanks guys. I thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm yeah, glad. No, I, I truly. I feel I, much I, better, I appreciate honestly. this conversation with you more than you can possibly realize. I I thank you mm-hmm. very much for for being. Yeah, this is gonna I'd be like hard to episode to talk to top yeah honestly i mean we haven't done many but honestly it's uh it was no because even like, even I'll like your answers are because you know what's funny is like when it's like what's a good death it's i didn't even think of that what you said i was like oh, oh, heroic. And i was like oh yeah that's a good answer like i, I don't know why it just didn't yeah i guess i'm selfish i'm like i did so well they asked they asked caesar and he said a sudden one 
Yeah. They asked Jake JFK, and he said, one that comes out of nowhere like a bullet. So hmm. maybe I'll die the heroic death. It's funny that he said one that comes out of nowhere like a magic bullet almost, eh? Yeah, yeah no, he said yeah. he said one that comes out of nowhere like a bullet. <laughs> like, a, But I'm saying like a magic bullet. Yeah. But that's like just a There's probably joke. more than one. Right, hey? I know. All right, awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Caleb. Bye. Bye.